to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Basically what the Lord has given me over the summertime when I really had the Wednesdays off, it's called Not Flesh and Blood. We're going to talk about the spirit realm and uh, realities in the spirit. Praise God. So it's going to be something a little bit different, but uh, we're not going to do a class on it because I only want to go as far as I can go each night. Then stop. I don't want to be asking you questions that we never get to because I don't know how far we're going each night. So we'll just teach for, you know, 50 minutes, 55 minutes, call tonight, and we'll pick up. Say pick up. We'll pick up where we left off. Is that okay? Good. Well, that's the way it is either way, whether you like it or not. Praise God. All right, go to Genesis chapter 1 tonight. The thing you need to understand, first of all, just being born again is not enough. He's called you to be a disciple, not just to be a church member or someone who attends church. He wants everybody to be discipled into a place to where they can come to a place where they not only know the word, but they can prove the word to other people. Because you're going to run into opposition out there. There's times when, when you know something's true and somebody will challenge you and say, well, where's that in the Bible? And you can't say, well, that's what my pastor said, because that doesn't work that way. They want to see it in the Word of God. They want to see what God said about it so you can prove it to them. If you don't know, call somebody who can give you those scriptures. But we're going to go through things spiritually here that will help you when people ask you questions about the spiritual realm and think. Then you will look real smart, praise God. You just look way up there, and that's what we want, praise God. All right, Genesis chapter 1, are you there? All right, look at verse uh, 26. This is the creation of man. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Once again, this is the creation of mankind. This is what God's will was for the original man when he created the original man. Man created, or God created man, notice number one, to rule. Say to rule. He gave mankind dominion over all the earth. So he expected man to come. His plan was to rule earth through mankind, not having to come here himself and do it. He sent man here to rule and to reign on this earth, basically, and to bring his kingdom way and his kingdom will into this earth. And that's what you're created for. How many of you know that? Now, yes, we, we worship and we praise and we do all these things and we concentrate on these things, but you can come Sunday and you can worship and you can praise and you can jump up and down. But if you're not using your dominion, how many of you know you're not doing what you were created to do because you were created to use your dominion? Are you following me? So we have a lot of other things out there. There's nothing wrong with dancing, nothing wrong with jumping, nothing wrong with worshiping. But if you're not going to use your dominion, you're going to lose your, lose your jump and your worship and your dance anyway before it's over with. So basically he created us for dominion is why he created us and put us here upon the earth. So notice he also created man in God's image and after God's likeness and put mankind on the earth. So the earth basically is man's realm. It's mankind's realm. If you're a man or a woman or a human being, then this is your realm. This is where God wanted you to be. He did not create you to be in heaven. He created you to come to earth. 
He sent you here basically to do a job or do what he's called you to do here. And he's put you here as a human being or a man in order to rule and reign on this earth. Once again, I'm going to say this. We're not going to get into tonight. But God is not in control of everything here on the earth. You are in control of everything here on the earth. And if that's true and you believe that, then you've got to quit blaming God. For all the things going wrong in your life because they're going wrong in your life basically because you don't know the laws and the way God wants to run things. The only reason why God commands us to do things because he wants you to succeed. He never puts laws and rules against you just to, just to be a bully or anything like that. He knows what works best for you so he tells you how to do things so that your life is successful in every single area of your life. So mankind was created in God's image and in God's likeness. Say I was created, I was created. in God's image in God's and God's likeness. Okay, go to John chapter 4. All right, John chapter 4, look at verse 24. Once again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now here it reveals to you who God is. God is what? He's a spirit, isn't he? So he's a spirit. Man was made in the image and likeness of God. So if he was made in the image and likeness of God, then man must be a? Very good. A spirit, praise God. So God is a spirit. You are a spirit. You are not a soul, as some people teach and as some people try to understand from the Bible. You are not a soul. You are a spirit being, an actual spirit being. You do not have a spirit, you are a spirit being. Now, are you following me? Say, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a physical body. Now, the spirit that you don't see right now, because you're seeing my body on the outside, but the real person on the inside of me is an eternal being. You're reading the Bible where you get born again, and Jesus gives you eternal life. That doesn't mean you're going to live forever, because everybody's going to live forever. That means it's the life of God who comes on the inside of you. And now you have God's eternal life, his nature and everything on the inside of you. But every person that you see is going to live eternally somewhere. That's just the way it's set up. So you're a spirit. You're an eternal being. You are basically either going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you're going to end up in heaven when you die. Or you're going to reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior and try to do it yourself through your own works. And if you can't do it through your own works, then you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. How many of you know that? That's the way it's set up. I don't care how good you've been. I don't care how many goody two-shoe things you did. You cannot pay your way into heaven. It's paid in through Jesus Christ. So basically as a spirit being along like God, we've got to understand that he has already paid the price for us. So if I would die tonight, right now, my body would fall down. You'd go, oh, he's dead. But me would still be here. And I'd just simply go off and say, hi, see everybody. And I would go, and I'm going, bye, I don't care. I'm having fun. See, we take death as a cease to exist. But it's not a cease to exist. It's a cease to exist in your body. And basically, this is the shell in which you are living in. Peter's talked about women. And he said, don't be messing around all your time with lipstick. Remember, don't be messing around with your outer, your hair, and all that stuff. You need to work on the inner man. Who's the inner man? That's you. That's who you really are. You are a spirit being. So he says, spend more time on spiritual things than on the natural things. Now, how many of us do that? How many of us do that? See, it's a lot easier to work on your hair, work on your makeup, work on this, and spend very little time on the Word of God. But he says you've got to work on the inner person, and the inner person is actually you. The Bible says your outer man perishes every day. How many of you know that's the truth? But your spirit being needs to be renewed every single 
day. So your spirit man really doesn't, who you are, doesn't get any older at all. He's still in there, and you know that. I mean, you go to the mirror, and you look, and you think you're 20, and you look, and all at once you're not 20 anymore, and you say, what the heck happened here? Well, your outer man is perishing, but your inward man, a spirit being, is renewed every single day on the Word of God. So you are a spirit being on the inside. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As you spend more time looking at the spirit realm and studying the spirit realm, you're going to come to the realization that the real realm is actually the spirit realm. It's not the natural realm. This natural realm is a temporary thing. The spiritual realm is going to exist throughout eternity. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly, all one part. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here he talks about the three parts. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in this physical body. Now when you understand the spiritual aspect of it, you will never become racist again. You're just judging someone by the house they live in. That's not the real person. The real person may have black, maybe white, maybe whatever. But the real person is a spirit. Do you see? On the else, you don't get mad at somebody because they're in a brick house and you're in a wood house. So why do we get mad at each other? Because we're in different kind of houses. This is just the house that we're in, praise God. But everybody is a spiritual being. So you have a spirit. And, and people say all the time that when Jesus saved me, my soul was saved. That's not correct. Your soul was not saved. You were born again spiritually from death to life. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And your soul has to be renewed to the word of God. See, people say, well, I'm a soul saver. No, I'm a soul saver. Evangelists are spirit savers, but I'm a soul saver. I'm here to beat your soul and line it up with the Word of God, get all the junk out of your brain that's been put in there before you got born again, and line you up with the kingdom of God so that your soul can be saved in that area. How does it get saved? You get lined up with the Word of God. God says you're healed. Your soul says you're healed. You're lined up with the Word of God. Now, how many know something comes against your soul to try to get you to disagree with God's Word? So when you get a pain in your body, it's saying, oh, you're sick, you're going to die, la, la, la. And your, your other part of your soul that's been renewed says, no, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. So you got one part of your soul saying, I'm healed. The other part saying, you're sick, I'm healed, you're sick, I'm healed. And you're going through this battle and everybody looks at you and they don't have any idea that World War III is going on right between your ears. But it is because that's your soul. So we want to save our soul. How do we do that? We do it on the word of God. So your soul needs to be saved. It's not saved when you get born again. It's surprising how many denominations out there don't even teach that you're a spirit they teach that you're a soul and don't even know they're a spirit being so everybody death would scare me if I was going to be this white ball who flew up in the sky after I died and I hope to have a, a bunch of stars more than I had black marks and I was going to end up in some place nice no you're, you're just you will be just like you are do you understand when you die you're not going to change much other than you're going to get freed from this physical body in this natural realm and you're going to go off in the spiritual realm praise God I mean no oh, heaven's a spiritual place I mean, oh, hell's a spiritual place. How I many know oh, they're real places? See, and we're going to take a look at those down the road, but not tonight. But praise God, all that is part of the spiritual existence that are there under God. All right, go to Luke chapter 16.
All right, Luke chapter 16, look at verse 19. Jesus is speaking. He said, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of the finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame but Abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime receives the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented hallelujah that's a really happy story isn't it praise God alright Luke chapter 16 I want you to know first of all the first line there is very important verse 16 it says verse 19 it says there was a certain man say certain rich man alright so that tells you now he's not talking about a parable here he's talking about a real live person this was a certain man well this certain man he died didn't he he was a rich man and there was a poor man there by the name of Lazarus and he didn't really share anything with him but look at verse 23 it tells you some things about him and in hell he lifted up his eyes in torment now that tells me after you die you will be able to see you will have eyes, you will be able to see just like you can see right now. It also says that he was in torment. So it's apparent to me that he could feel, because if he couldn't feel, then he wouldn't have been in torment, he would have been in nothingville. But he wasn't, he was in torment at the time. Now this is a person who's already died. Notice verse 24, he cried and he said, apparently he could talk. Even though he was dead, according to world's things, he could talk. And he wanted water on his tongue, so apparently he could taste. See, this is a guy who has died, and notice he died and he went where? He went to hell. Why? Because hell's a real place. The beggar died and went to the bosom of Abraham. What is the bosom of Abraham? It was a holding place until Jesus came, suffered, and died, and opened the gates of heaven for mankind so that they could get into heaven. Until Jesus suffered and died, you could not get into heaven. Are you following me? So basically there had to be a holding place with Abraham and all these Old Testament saints. Until that time, then Jesus suffered and died, raised from the dead, grabbed them all, and it was party time in heaven. Praise God. Are you following me? Glory to God. So notice, now look at verse 25. But Abraham's son, remember, say remember. Now this tells me he still had his memory. So he had his memory, he, he could taste, he could, he could feel, he could do all these things, even though in our aspect from here he was dead. He wasn't really dead, he was still just as live as he was before. The only difference was he was now in his physical body. So this man was dead, say he was dead. But how many know he was still living? And he had all those things. And this tells me another thing, feelings which sometimes battled your faith and everything, feelings are part of your spirit being, not part of your flesh being or else he wouldn't have been able to feel anything when he died. Are you following me? If you, go to, if you go to a funeral home and somebody's up in a casket and they're dead and you walk up to them, I don't care how hard you pinch them, they're not going to just lay there. Why is that? Because their feelings, their soul, everything has left that physical body. That's not them. That's just the house they were living in that you're going to pay respects to, basically, and they're still alive and they're either in heaven or they are in hell. Now, if this is the truth, then it's very important that we go to heaven, isn't it? Praise God. And notice, your decision to go to heaven or hell is not made after you die. 
It's not made after they pray for you after you died. Praying for you after you died ain't going to do you any good because your authority is being in this physical body and you have to make your choice of heaven or hell while you're in this body. Once you die, it's too late, brother. Nobody can, I don't care how many masses they say for you. I don't care how many things they do for you. It is too late. So we have a choice to make, don't we? We've got to understand that he provided salvation for us. We have received the salvation that he has given to us. And now since that, the change comes on the inside, and we are what the Bible calls born again, praise God. And now we know it. How many know that you know it for some reason when you're born again? It's like Kenneth Copeland always says, you just know that you know that you know that you know, brother. Which, when the first time he said, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, but that's what he said, and you do. Once you get born again, you're not wondering or worrying about going to heaven anymore. You know that something happened, and you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and it's because of him that you could use your authority and accept him, praise God. Hallelujah. So basically, when you die, Paul put it this way. He said on death, the time of my departure is near. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to die, everybody. He said, no, I'm getting out of here, praise God. My departure, I'm getting the heck out of here, and I'm going up where I'd be. I mean, at one time, he had to decide whether he was going to go or stay, and he was leaning towards going, you know. So he knew all about it, didn't he? He knew, knew he was gone. He knew he was a spirit being. He knew all these things. So your feelings are a spiritual thing. The only reason that your body has had feelings and emotions up to this time is because you were in your body. You are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. I will live forever. I am created in the image and the likeness of God. I am a spirit. Praise God. So you're a spirit being. You were created a spirit. No other part basically should rule you than if you're a spirit being. If you're mainly a spirit being, you, your life should be ran and ruled by your spirit, which is you. It shouldn't be ran by your feelings, shouldn't be ran by your emotions, shouldn't be ran by any of those things. You should be the boss. And that's what happened when Adam fell. Until that time, he was a spirit, and at that time, he was making spiritual choices. As soon as he died, he got to be soul-led. Say soul-led. What soul-led? He was feelings, he was emotions, he was led by fear, he was led by all these things, because now his emotions and feelings were ruling over his spirit at that time. Once you get born again, you who are a spirit is elevated once again in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Now you can rule and reign as you were created to do as a spirit being over the natural realm, over your feelings, over your emotions, and that's where you walk in victory with God as being by your spirit. The Bible says the the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. What does that mean? He don't want to give revelation to your feelings and emotions. He wants to give it to your spirit man. And the light comes on the inside of you, and you start to see things spiritually, and you start to look at things spiritually, and you start to look at other people spiritually at the same time. So basically, you are a spirit. Your feelings and emotions should not rule over you, and that's why addiction is so terrible in our lives when you have one. When I was addicted to alcohol, I was always down and upset. Why was that? Because in my heart, I knew I should have been ruling but what was going on in the natural realm was alcohol was ruling me. See? You can be ruled by a plant. I mean, God gave you dominion, and a plant could be ruling over your life. Alcohol could be Cigarettes can be ruling over your life. And here you are, a spiritual being in the image and likeness of God. No wonder why you feel guilty and terrible. Because you're being ruled over by something that's so minute, and it's simply because you don't understand that you have authority, and you're a spiritual being, and you can rule over those things. Worry is a drunkenness of the mind. It's just as bad as drinking. See, so we don't worry anymore. Why? We're not led by feelings, emotions, this natural realm. We're led by the spirit, who we really are on the inside. And we're going to tell our feelings how to feel. We're going to tell our mind how to think. We're going to tell our emotions how to emotion. 
See, and you can do that. Why? Because you have authority. He's already given you authority, praise God. So that's the way we want to live. We want to live as spiritual beings, even though we're in a natural realm. All right? Okay, go to Genesis chapter 2. All right, Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 17. God says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said this to Adam, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? Die. Surely die. Now, if you read this and you understand it, people say, well, God was going to kill him, you know, because he lied and disobeyed. But no, he rebelled against the kingdom of God. He disobeyed God, and when he did that, he would surely die. Now, he didn't die physically, right away. He lived a long time after that. So it can't be talking about physically. It must mean that he died spiritually. In other words, he disconnected from God. And when he did that, basically, he started being led by his soul, his feelings and emotions and everything that was around him. The Bible basically says that you shall surely die. And the word there is death. Say death. It talks about two deaths. Well, once he died spiritually, how many of you know it got off in the physical realm and down the road he died physically? If he'd have never rebelled or never did anything, he would have never died. And he'd have lived eternally, and all his offspring would have lived eternally. We wouldn't have this mess. Thank you, Adam. But because he did that, that's where we're at right now. So basically, he died spiritually. And in order for us to get back in the kingdom of God, we need to be born again spiritually because we were born as dead spirits. That's why kids are born selfish. You don't have to teach them selfishness. You don't have to teach them to mock you, to talk back to you. They don't have to take class to do those things. That's the nature on the inside that they have. And once they get born again, then it's easier for them to obey you, to love you. So it's very important that your kids get born again and understand that they have a new nature on the inside of them, and they can use that new nature that's on the inside. So physical death is simply separation from your body. When I die, my body falls, physical death. Spiritual death is separation from God and all his attributes, his image, and his likeness. So here he says, if you eat the fruit, you are going to die, first of all, spiritually, and then how many know it got into their physical body, and pretty soon their physical body died years later. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. I can remember when, uh, I think it was Dottie Osteen one time got sick, and they were, I don't know if you ever heard of the Osteens, but they were, he was going around the power of God, and they were together and everything, and she got sick or something real quick and died, basically, and he got upset and prayed to God and interceded for God and fasted for God that she would come back and live, and, and he fasted and prayed, and all at once God sent her back. She was raised from the dead, and he was so excited, and she looked at him and said, if you ever... If you ever pray me out of that again, I'm going to punch you right in the face, man. I'm telling you what, I was in heaven enjoying myself, and you prayed me back into this world, and don't ever do that again. And he, ooh, yeah. Thought I had a victory there, but I don't think I did at that point. All right, Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 6. And the devil said unto him, talking to Jesus, all this power, the word there is actually authority, all this authority will I give thee, the devil says, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I will give it. So the devil came to Jesus and said, hey, I got all this authority, and I'll give this authority to you if you just simply bow down and worship me. Now, how many know that was a temptation? You can either bow down and worship him, or you can go to the cross. 
bow down, worship, go to the cross. I might have chose the wrong one. He didn't. He chose to go to the cross. So notice he came here and challenged him with the authority that he had. And Jesus didn't argue. He didn't say, you ain't got authority. You ain't got no authority. I gave it to man. No, he didn't argue with him because he knew that man had a legal right to give that authority to anybody he wanted to give that authority to. And when he fell, he gave it to Satan. So Satan then had the authority that man. Jesus knew it was a legal transaction. He gave man authority. Man could do whatever he wanted to do with that authority, and he gave it to the devil. So the devil then became the god of this world. He started ruling and reigning here. I tell you, it's hard to believe, but God is so just, he's even just to the devil. Because I tell you, I'd have came down here and beat the sap out of him. Come on, and God would have just smack him upside the head and get him out of here. But God couldn't do that because he legally had now been given authority by mankind who he gave authority to begin with. And man was a free moral agent who gave him authority. So Jesus didn't argue with him. He basically knew that he had authority, but Jesus already knew how he was going to get that authority back. Suffer, die, go into hell, beat up the devil, take the authority back and bring it back. I've got the keys of hell, death, and the grave. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 21. So God gave mankind authority. That authority that he'd given him was for a time. And basically he gave mankind a lease of the earth for mankind to rule and reign on this earth. All right, Luke 21, look at verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Notice, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, who's the Gentiles? We are, aren't we? So what is he saying? He's saying there's a time when the Jews will be blinded. They basically won't understand Jesus is Lord and Savior. But in that time, the Gentiles, people who are not Jews, are going to see the light, and they're going to start coming into the kingdom of God. How many know that's already taking place even now? As we're here, people are getting born again. But notice it's a time period. Say a time period. All right, go to Romans chapter 11. All right, look at verse 25. Paul says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness in part is happening to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So it's talking about a time period again, isn't it? It's talking about a time when the Gentiles are going to be born again. They're going to come in. All those who get the opportunity to get born again will have their opportunity. The time will be up for Gentiles to come in. They've already made up their minds, basically, of what was going on. And uh, look at verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. So notice, after this time, there is going to be revival for the Jews. How many of you know that? And they're going to get born again, and they're going to come in because their time has now come. So Paul says there's a time coming when the fullness of Gentiles, the Gentiles will be saved that say yes and come in. Then all Israel will be saved. The blindness will be removed from their eyes and their religiosity that they have. And they'll come in and basically Satan's dominion then will be removed off of mankind. And the lease on earth then will go back to mankind. Only how many know it's going to be with a new heavens and a new earth? 
All right, let me just say this. Heaven is not going to be your home forever. I was taught that for years, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says it's a holding place for you if you die now until all this other takes place, until Jesus comes back, until the rapture happens and all this takes place. Then there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth come down. We're going to put, be put back on earth. What for? To his original purpose, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, to rule and reign on this earth. But how many know it's going to be a lot easier? Because somebody's going to be thrown into the lake of fire and he's not going to be able to rampage the earth anymore. No more earthquake, no more fires, no more dis disappointments or anything like that. That will be over at that time. So heaven is just a holding place for you until all this takes place. Are you following me? You're not going to be, people say, well, I'm going to be doing in heaven, jumping around praising God forever. No, you're going to be doing what he created you to do back in Genesis 1:26. as soon as there's a new heavens and a new earth. Glory to God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. I mean, you're saying, I never heard this before. Well, that's why I'm teaching it tonight, and praise God, and now you know it. Because you're going to get questions from people. They're going to ask you questions. You've got to know something. That's what Pastor Tom says. <laughs> well, who's he? All right, Matthew chapter 8, look at verse, let's go to verse 29. Oh, we better go back and read the whole thing, I guess. Da, da, da. Go back to verse 27. That'll give you an idea. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he was come to the other side in the country of the Gerasenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass them by. And behold, they cried out, saying, shall, What shall you do to us, Jesus, thou Son of God? Have you come hither to torment us before the what? time. So this tells me that these demons knew that there's a time coming. They knew basically that it must not be yet and they were fighting saying you can't, you don't cast us into hell. You don't cast us in the lake of fire because the time of the Gentiles isn't up. The Jews that need to come in haven't come in. The, the, the other people who haven't come in you're not going to cast us before the time. And notice Jesus didn't argue. He didn't cast them in to the lake of fire before the time. You know why? It wasn't time. So even the demons know that there's a time coming. You know, somebody always says, if the devil starts reminding you of your past, just remind him of his future. And that pretty much get his attention, and pretty much he'll shut up at that time, praise God. So notice, even the demons knew that there's a time coming when they're going to be thrown in the lake of fire, and that's going to be history for them. All right, go to Revelations chapter 12. All right, look at Revelations 12, 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a what? Short time. And how many of you know when this was written, he had a short time? It's a lot shorter than it was. Praise God. So he knows there's a short time coming. So Paul knew there was a time. Jesus knew there was a time. The devil knew there was a time. Demons knew there was a time. A time what? When God was going to take back dominion and give it back to mankind and let them do their purpose of ruling and reigning here on the earth. The lease for man will be up and started again with a new heavens and a new earth. Now, nobody knows the time or the hour. How many of you know that? 
but there is some speculation basically that you can do from the word of God the Bible says that with God a day is a thousand years as a thousand years is a what? a day so basically if the resurrection and according to the Bible is going to take place on the seventh day of 7,000 years then there was 2,000 years basically between Adam and Noah it was 2,000 years between Noah and Jesus and it's been a little over 2,000 years now so actually we are in the seventh year say the seventh year so that means to me if that is true and that's how that scripture is being used you know a lot of people believe it is isn't it means we're getting very close to the end coming because we're in the seventh day praise God and some people say well it's based on Jesus well how many know Jesus was raised on what day the third day. How many days, how many thousand years has it been since Jesus came? 2,000. That's two days. So we are in the third day. If the head was raised on the third, then the body will probably be raised on the third. Because the head and the body, I mean, the head ain't going to be raised without the body, and, and the body ain't going to be raised without the head. Are you following me? So we're in the third day. So if that's true, then we are in that time period right now when Jesus is going to come back and things are going to change and just. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be next week. I'm not saying it's going to be because nobody really knows. Are you following? But it's just some things to think about, some things to do for your own study and look up your own stuff and basically don't tell them I told you. All right, go to John 14. I am not really an end time preacher, but there are some things you can see even if you don't really have that anointing to see that stuff. And I mean, look at the world, my goodness sakes. That should tell you something. So the devil, basically, he took man's authority. A man gave it to him. He's ruling and reigning on the earth. He is a spiritual being. All right, John chapter 14. Let's look at verse 30. Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Here he calls the devil the prince of this world. The word, word prince means ruler. It means evil genius of the world. It means the ruler of the kingdom. And what kingdom does he rule? The kingdom of darkness. And if you look up darkness in the Bible, what is it? It's the word ignorance. He rules by ignorance. He takes people who don't know spiritual things, don't know things. I mean, if you don't know that Jesus Christ suffered and died for you on the cross and salvation is available for you and you don't receive it and go to hell, it's not because God didn't want you in heaven. It's because you were ignorant and he kept you ignorant of what could actually belong to you. If you don't operate in the power of God, it's because the devil has tricked you into ignorance. You don't have the power. Only the pastor has the power. I don't have the power. I'll never have the power. And the devil will feed you with these things. What's he trying to do? Keep you in the kingdom of darkness. But if you're born again, how many of you know he has delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his own dear son of his love in whom you now have redemption from all those things. So the only thing he can do, he can't get you unborn again, born again. But he can keep you ignorant of what you got the day you got born again. So you live in hell anyway while you're here on the earth before you die and get out of here. That's why it's important that you spend time in the word and get revelation from God so he can point out to you the victory that you've already got, the power you've got, the authority you've got, the way to handle situations, to forgive others, to not get offended, to love others even though you don't feel like it and all those things because he wants you living in victory in every area of your life. The devil wants you. He doesn't care even if you get born again, if you remain stupid. 
You're not going to hurt his kingdom. He's binding people with sickness, and what are you going to do? You're going to get close, put on 14 masks, and run from them, or do whatever you want to do? You're not going to try to help them if you don't know you can help them. It's not going to work. If you don't believe in salvation, you're not going to witness salvation to anybody when you don't even believe in salvation. So he deals in ignorance. He deals in ignorance for those people who aren't born again, and ignorance for those people who are born again. All right, go to John chapter 12. Once again, verse 31, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Here he calls the devil what? The prince of the world. Prince is a leader. He's a ruler. He's an author. He's an originator. Satan ruled over what he originated and authorized. He is the author of all mankind's sorrows, all mankind's miseries, of all sickness, of all disease, of all storms, of all floods, of all hurricanes, of all tornadoes, all curses, and in death itself. So if insurance companies would get a little bit educated, they stop saying that was an act of God. It's not an act of God. It's an act of the devil and the curse, praise God. It's not from God at all. But you read insurance things, it was an act of God. Well, no, it wasn't. You're ignorant, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the chief desire of the devil is to what? Try his best to destroy human race, to bring sorrow to the heart of God. Because how many know he can't do anything to God? Because God is God, so he has to go after God's children in order to make God upset over what's going on in the earth realm. Here it says the devil will be cast out. Say cast out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 4. Here it says, In whom the God, little g-o-d, of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, unless the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What's he doing again? He's trying to blind your mind from the things that you got when you entered the kingdom of God, the ability you have, the power you have, the spirit of God on the inside of you. He's to keep you blinded of those things. But notice your eyes can be unblinded. How many of you at one time had blind eyes in the spirit? How many of you can now see? Praise God. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Glory to God. So the God basically, he demands man's worship. He wants man's reverence. Today, many people on earth worship the devil more than they do God. Satan and sin are more popular than righteousness. Hate is more popular than love. Offense and unforgiveness are more popular than the things of God. Nobody even thinks twice about these things, but you've got to understand you're being influenced by a spiritual identity someplace, either by the devil or you're being influenced by God. Those are the spiritual influences that you have, praise God. So the same Christians who go to church every Sunday, praise and worship, spend the rest of their time criticizing other believers. Um, you know, it doesn't work that way. You don't want to be influenced by two different things. A fountain doesn't put forth bitter water and sweet water. Make up your mind where you're at, praise God, and who you are. And notice, Satan really has no right to do anything in the earth realm because he doesn't have a body. God has no right to do anything in the earth realm because he doesn't have a body. That's why God put the Spirit of God in you so that he would have a body so that he could do things through your and how many know Satan works through people come on he's selling more CDs than God is right now he's having more movies out there than God does right now he's capturing the minds and hearts of the young people right now more than God is because he needs people 
to write those books. He needs people to put out songs. He needs people. He can't molest anybody without a body. So he's gone after people's hearts. He's gone after their minds. He's gone after their lips. He's gone after their thought life. He wants to use them. Nobody can write a book about how wonderful Satan is unless it's a human being who's got a pen and he's influenced by the devil. Are you following me? The devil doesn't write any books. He writes books through human beings. We are the main players here. You've got to understand this. God is not the main player. The devil's not the main player. We are the main player here. And you're going to determine who you live for and what you do. And if you continually live and follow the devil's stuff and end up in trouble, don't blame God. You can't do that. You've got to follow what God tells you to do. So I'm going to read the book. I'm going to find out the laws of God. I'm going to find out what he does. Oh, he says forgive people here, so I'm going to forgive people. Your feelings say, oh, no, you ain't going to forgive anybody. And you say, yes, I'm going to forgive people, even though I don't feel like it. Oh, no, you know what they did to you? It's absolutely terrible. And then you're going to have to pray for that person, aren't you? Lord, bless that person who I'd like to kill right now. Help me forgive them in my heart. And as you pray yourself out, basically that cleanses your heart and gets it out of there. But notice, both need mankind, basically, in order to rule and reign on this earth. And that's why people don't think, I'm not important to God. Oh, yes, you are, praise God. I'm telling you right now. He redeemed you because he put so many gifts on the inside of you. He wants to get them back in his camp, praise God. He wants to use the gifts that are on the inside of you, the power that's on the inside of you, to tell other people and teach other people and disciple other people. But how many know we've all got something called it, oh, free will? see he's not going to override your will you can do whatever you want to do and he ain't going to stop you the Holy Ghost is saying no 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 and you do it anyway and how many have ever said I wish I wouldn't have done that I knew I shouldn't have done that but for some reason I've done that yeah well that was the spirit of God on the inside of you telling you not to do it don't do that don't do that and you did it and ended up in a mess and then you knew it that you shouldn't have did that praise God what is that it's the battle over you because you are the one with legal right and legal authority down here basically and you're going to be used in one realm or the other realm alright go to Ephesians chapter 6 All right, Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Just like God has angels and different kind of angels, the devil has demons and different kind of demons. Here it lists some of them. He has principalities. He has powers. He has rulers of darkness. He has spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is the commander of all these evil forces. How many of you know he knows how to use the demons to get to you in your life? What does he do? He looks for weaknesses. Just like anybody else. You play sports, you look for the weakness of the other team, and you exploit it, and you do it. Same way with him. He looks for weaknesses. Now, he don't know where you're weak unless you tell him. That's why you got to watch your mouth. Every time that happens, I get mad. Every time that happens, I just blow my top. Well, it's going to happen five times a day, and you're going to blow your top five times because he's going to push your button every single time with one of his people out there. Are you following me? Come on now. When they do that, it makes me mad. Well, here it comes. Praise God. You just called for it because that's the only way you can do it. He can figure out your weaknesses simply by listening 
to you. He's called the prince of this world, the God of this world, and he's the ruler of darkness. Say darkness. darkness. Now, how many of you know you're not part of that darkness once again because you've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his light or revelation. So he's not the ruler of you anymore, but he's the ruler of all your relation who's never been born again. They have no legal rights to rule over the devil, none whatsoever. They have no power. They have no authority. So basically, they will follow what the devil. The only thing they can use is their free will. I mean, you come to a place in your free will when you know something's wrong, and even if you're not born again, you're smart enough to not do it. Are you following me? So you can do that with your will. But basically, he has all these principalities, all these powers, all these set up, and people all the time I run into. How was your week? Oh, the devil's been after me. All, all week long, he has been after me. And I said, well, that's funny. She, the devil was after her, and he's only one person. How could he be after both of you at the same time? He's only after one of you. Somebody choose which one of you. Come on, we're so goofy. The devil isn't omnipresent. The Holy Ghost is. So the devil, if he's picking on you, he can't be picking on somebody else. He's busy messing with you, praise God. And I'm sure he's not picking you out of the millions of people. Well, I'm just so, so spiritual and so holy that the devil picks on me and lets everybody else go with his little demons. No, it's just a demon. Say it's just a demon. And notice you've got authority over that demon, don't you? So like a gnat, you simply brush him off and get rid of him and keep going on. You say, no, that's not the way we do it, and that's it. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he is the ruler over darkness. You have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness. You're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, no longer subject to the evil forces, any of these. They are all subject to you. So what do I want to do? I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. And what is that light? That light is revelation of the word of God and obedience to that word. You can know all about the word. You can know the word. But if you're not going to do what the word says, you're wasting your time. People say, whole, whole bookshelves here of spiritual books. Are you doing any of them? I got a whole section here on forgiveness. But I'll tell you, I'm so mad at them, I just about had it with them. Well, you need to get all five of them out and read them again, apparently, because they didn't do anything to you the first time. See, it's obedience to the Word, not knowledge of the Word that helps you. You've got to do what the Word of God tells you to do, basically. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'll tell you, most of you in here read the book that I put out. I'll tell you what that book is. It's a religion buster. Yep. All those things that were taught in religion to people that they don't understand and they think their work's got to get them in and, and i got to get good enough to get in and hopefully God will let me in and I'll find out when I die if I'm in or not. It breaks all that stuff. I may even know it. It attacks that stuff and lets you know it's not up to your works. It's up to what he did for you. So you just receive all those things that he provided for you, praise God. All right, First Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your teacher the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Is that what it says? No, he's not your teacher, is he? He's not your teacher. He's not your character builder. He's your enemy. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the enemy, the devil, roars, roars around. Now notice what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom, say whom. Now, he's not devouring everybody. He's seeking whom he... May, may. See? Do you ever, when you were a kid, play Mother May I? Can I take two spit? Mother May I? Yes. So the devil comes along and says, can I make you mad today and walk in unforgiveness? Mother May I? You've got to say, no, you may not. See, it's up to you. 
It's up to you to make the decision when he comes, praise God. So there's the adversary. It calls him an adversary. The Bible tells you that he's an enemy of you, and he's coming basically to attack your emotions and feelings to get you off the word of God. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 5. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Now, who's the tempter here? It's the devil, isn't it? It's Satan. It's the demons. They come to tempt you. People say, well, God's just tempting me to make me stronger. The Bible says that God doesn't tempt any man in James. It says the devil's a tempter. What's he tempting you for? He's trying to get your thought life and your mind off who you are and what you can do and onto the temptation that he's bringing before you. The word tempt means to test, to try, to prove you. Say to prove me. So you go to a healing class and they've got five straight nights teaching about healing and you hear about by his stripes I'm healed and I resist the devil and I walk in divine health and you leave those meetings, I guarantee you almost what the first thing's going to happen. A symptom's going to hit your body. And he's going to prove whether your big mouth is saying what you believe or you're just saying it because you heard it today. See, he comes. What's he got? He can't have you talking faith all the time. He can't stay you in line with the Word of God. So he comes to tempt you and bring you out, basically. So he tempts you, basically, against the Word, just like Jesus. If you be the Son of God, Jesus said, I am. If you be the Son of God, yes. And I'll tell you what, the devil is, is a pro because he can get you on either side. First he said, if you be the son of God, Jesus said, well, I know I'm the son of God. That didn't work. So then he said, well, use your son of God for powers to help yourself out. Get yourself some free food. Turn the toes into bread. So if you're on one side, it's like preaching. You know, I can't preach. The devil's saying, that's right, you can't preach. I ain't got an anointing. That's right, you ain't got an anointing. So you get up behind the podium and, and you preach. And you get done, you feel so good. And you go back and you're all excited. The devil comes, boy, that was the stupidest sermon I've ever heard in my entire life. I can't believe you preach that to them people. You don't know anything, and you're trying to teach those people? How dumb can you be to teach? I ain't going to ever teach again. I don't know. So if he don't get you on one side, he's going to get you on the other side, do you see? And that's why you've got to stay in the middle on the Word of God. Does the Word of God say I'm anointed? Yes. Then I'm going to stay there, ain't I? I ain't going to have to. I don't want to get advice from him. I don't want to get counsel from him. Am I anointed? No. Well, that's the end of that, praise God. Because he's going to say everything he tells you, the Bible says he's a liar. There's no truth in him. Everything he tells you, basically, it's the opposite. So when he comes and says you're sick, it's the best proof you've got that you're healed. Amen. If he comes and says you're unanointed, it is proof that you're anointed, but he cannot tell the truth ever. So when he's lying to you, you say, praise God. Thank you for the confirmation. Glory to God. Thank you for the word of knowledge. Jesus, glory, hallelujah. Because he's lying to you every single time. He's got a lie. He's the father of all lives, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 13. As you study spirits, you study angels, you study demons, and you find out about what they do, how they operate, you'll be able to recognize what they're trying to do in your life. One of the best scriptures there are is you're not fighting flesh and blood. We all want to, don't we? All right, Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the 
wicked one and catches away that what was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So here it calls the devil what? Wicked one. Say wicked one. Now what is wicked? Wicked is if you've ever had a candle, the wick of the candle is twisted. It's twisted so that you can light it and it burns the wax underneath. Well, wicked basically means twisted. What is he? He's a twisted one. He wants to twist your thought life, your believer, and everything else in your life, basically so that you agree with him rather than agree with God. Once again, notice, when anyone hears the word of what? When anyone hears the word of what? The kingdom. Notice, he comes and attacks when you're getting preached the kingdom, not anything else. If you're getting taught religion, he don't care if he steals that out of your heart or not. He could care less. Matter of fact, he'll water it for you. But when you preach the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is, is a word basically to where the focus is on the kingdom. And once you enter the kingdom, all these benefits come along with coming into the kingdom. Religion teaches you you've got to earn every benefit, but you don't. They came as a package deal with the kingdom. Are you following me? It was like an all-inclusive. So when I came in the kingdom of God, the anointing on me came with me, peace came in me and on me, joys on the inside of me, all these things came. There are things that you don't have to earn. There are things that you got freely because you entered the kingdom of God. Religion has told you how to get all these things. And as you spend time trying to get them, you will never get them because you can't get them because he already provided them for you. See, the Bible says, stand fast in the liberty where which he has set you free, not where you have set you free. You can't do anything but believe what he did for you. And that's why the Bible says it's the preaching of the cross to them that are saved causes power. The preaching of the cross. Well, I thought the cross was just to get people saved and that was it. That's because we thought the cross only took care of your sins. It didn't. It took care of your sorrows. It took care of your worry. It took care of your sickness. It took care of everything. Everything was paid for you at the cross. So the preaching of the cross is to them that to believe the power of God to walk in their life free of everything that's in their life, praise God, that was there before. And if you don't know you got it at the cross, you're going to try to spend your whole Christian life earning what you could have had back at the cross that he already provided for you. And people wear themselves out in religion. Oh, I've just been a struggling for 20 years. I'm almost righteous. I had a good day the other day, but then I slipped back again. Well, your righteousness isn't dependent on you. It's dependent on him. You have his righteousness because he provided it for you. So what am I going to do? Just believe it. The more I believe I'm righteous, the more as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If I believe I'm righteous, I'm going to walk righteous. If I believe a sinner, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to fight that sin and struggle with that sin and go nowhere in that sin. It's just going to get worse. So the preaching of the cross is to them. Now notice not just the cross, but the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Because basically the word of God, when you hear it over and over again, what does it bring? Faith cometh by and by the word of God. All right, one more, Revelations chapter 12. All right, Revelations chapter 12, we just got to back up, I can't help it. Verse 7, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more where? In where? Heaven. Now remember when Jesus came and Jesus says, I've had visions of Satan falling like lightning from the sky. He will be, the God of this world will be cast out. 
This is the time it happened. Jesus suffered and died. He went into hell. He went up into heaven with his blood. And that time, Satan at that time had access to heaven. I mean, you know, he came when Job was there and he came up, up and down. He went between heaven and here. But at this time, he got thrown out of heaven once and for all because the blood of Jesus blocked him from coming in there anymore. So the Bible says he can no longer go to heaven and accuse of you of your mistakes before God because he can't get up there anymore. So who who's the accuse of your failings? You. You can't even get up there. And you think, oh, God, God's upset with me for this, and the devil's telling you you're no good, and God don't know that. He can't even get up there and tell God that because he's been kicked out of there once and for all. So here it says he's been cast out. Say, cast out. Yes. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 8. And he prevailed not, and neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, and that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, and was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Notice, this is his, one of his number one weapons, deception. Here it says he deceives the whole world. How do you know people that aren't saved right now, he has deceived if they knew truly salvation was belonged to them and paid for them, they'd get saved right now. They wouldn't be messing around. If they thought it didn't matter about what they did or had done or did in the past, then they would get saved right now. But he deceives people from getting saved and deceives those who get saved from operating in the power of God and from the kingdom of God. He is a deceiver. And, you know, the people we're dealing with now, let's just face it, some of them are really messed up. There's no question about it. But how many of you know you've got to stop and think they're being deceived? Yes. See? And it's not them. They're being influenced by spiritual influences out there. So people say if we could just get a bunch of good Christians into office, well, what if we got all the ones in there born again and they became good Christians? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, at least they're not going. And other people say, let them go to hell and let's just put some good ones in there. And I know we feel like that, but we don't go with our feelings and emotions. See, so what do we want to do? We want every man. Jesus said, I want all men to be saved. But then he also wants them to come into the knowledge of the truth at the same time we're getting a lot of people saved but nobody's coming to the knowledge of the truth because nobody's preaching the truth and if you don't hear the truth you won't know the truth if you don't know the truth the truth cannot set you free so who does it take once again we're right away back to the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost leads and guides you into all why does he do that so you can live in freedom and teach other people as disciples about the spirit world and the kingdom of God and the things of God praise God so the material you're getting if you take notes do it praise God if somebody asks you a question about this or that now you can go back to these scriptures you got a little afraid you can sound real intelligent when you do it and you don't have to freak out or oh I don't have to do that and that's what we want to do we want to reveal this stuff to you over the next few weeks so that you understand what's going on around us not just in your little cubby hole in the natural realm but in the spiritual realm all over the place Place, and then you'll be able not only to deal with those things, but help other people deal with their issues also. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for your Holy Ghost. And I thank you, Lord, you have delivered us from the power of darkness and you have translated us into your kingdom. Father, we thank you. It's a kingdom of light. And we just thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in everybody's life who is here tonight in all TCVC. I pray, Spirit of God, that you would get them, praise God. You would open their eyes in any area that they're blinded, any thoughts that are not yours, and the word of God would change their wicked, twisted minds into lining up with the word of God. Father, we want to complete what you put us here to do. We want to be disciples. We want a church that walks in love and peace and power and sets the captives free. Father, I thank you for what you've done tonight. I thank you for the revelation that's come forth. And we give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Facebook and YouTube.
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 